0: Salam wa alaykum wa, wa barakatu. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, was salatu was salam wa ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wasahbihi wa, wa manwala. Kala rabbi shahli sadri wa yasirli, amri wa alul uktata, mil lisani afkahu kauli. Allah huma ilma. All praise and thanks is due to Allah wa jal Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn yabdillah. Salawatullahi he was salamu Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome to each and every one of you after a long break. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has favored each and every one of you with good health. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you are going through any difficulties, may Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is And today's hadith is hadith number 22 wa an Abi Nujaid yani bi damm al-noon wa fath al-jim Imran ibn Hussein al-Khaza'i radiyallahu anhumā anna imra'atan min Juhaynah atat Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa hiya hubla min al-zina فقالت يا رسول الله أصبت حدا فأقمه علي فدعا نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وليها فقال أحسن إليها فإذا وضعت فأتني ففعل فأمر بها نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فشدت عليها ثيابها ثم أمر بها فرجمت ثم صلى عليها فقال له عمر رضي الله عنه تصلي عليها يا رسول الله وقد زنت قال لقد تابت توبة لو كسمت بين سبعين من أهل المدينة لوسعتهم وهل وجدت افضل من ان جادت بنفسها الله عز وجل رواه مسلم إِمْرَانِ بن حسين الخزاعي may Allah be pleased with him he reported that a woman from the tribe of juhayna came to rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam while she was pregnant From zina. Yani from adultery. And said to the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. O messenger of Allah. I have committed an offence liable to the had. To the prescribed punishment. So exact. Or follow through with the execution of the sentence. The messenger of Allah peace be upon him. He called her guardian. And said to him. (coughs) Treat her kindly. And bring her back to me after the delivery of the child. That man complied with the orders of Rasulullah sallallahu At the last, the Prophet peace be upon him commanded to carry out the sentence. Her clothes were secured around her and she was stoned to death. The Prophet sallallahu he led her funeral prayers. Umar, he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, she committed zina, and you have performed the funeral prayer for her. The Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, "Verily, she made repentance which would suffice for 70 of the people of Medina, if it were divided amongst them. Can there be any higher degree of repentance than that she sacrificed her life voluntarily to win the pleasure of Allah Azza wa jal? Muslim. So here, yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said in relation to what he reported from Imran ibn Hussein that a woman came to Rasulullah and she fell pregnant because of zina. She fell pregnant because of adultery. And she says to the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that, O Messenger of Allah, I have committed a punishable offence, so execute it on me. Meaning I have done something deserving of the legal punishment, so carry it out on me. The Prophet peace be upon him, he then called her wali. He called her guardian and commanded him to take good care of her until she gives birth, until the baby is born and then she should return to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when the guardian saw that she gave birth, when she gave birth, he brought her back to the messenger of Allah. And then he commanded that the clothes be secured around her. And yani, he used to say that a cloth should be wrapped and fastened around her so that she does not get exposed. So even at the end, when the punishment Of someone is going to be brought forward. Someone is going to be punished. You still need to look at the Sharia. So it's a female. She still needs to be covered correctly. And then he ordered, and she was stoned to death. That is with pebbles which were neither big nor small until she passed away. Then the prophet, peace be upon him, he observed the funeral prayer over her and supplicated for her as he would pray. For the deceased Umar عنه, as we heard, he then approached Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was concerned and he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, why would you perform the funeral prayer over someone who committed adultery? Because this is of the major sins. He, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he replied and he said that she has made such a repentance that it would suffice for 70 people Of Medina if it were to be divided amongst them. So here we see a broad range of repentance of Tawbah which will suffice an entire people 70 in number all sinful and benefit them if (coughs) it were distributed amongst them. The Prophet peace be upon him he said have you found any better than her giving up her life voluntarily To win the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal? Have you found a better condition? A woman coming to surrender herself. Remember Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He did not go look for her. He did not know about this. She came out of her own. To ask Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What her punishment should be. And she wanted to cleanse herself from adultery. Is there anything better? Than this. So from this hadith, we derive a lot of benefits. The first point: if a married person commits adultery, it is wajib; it is compulsory to stone them to death by obligation. And this used to occur as a verse in Allah's book, which the Muslims memorized, comprehended, and implemented. Then the Prophet ﷺ He also implemented the stoning or the death penalty was stoning. And likewise the rightly guided khalifs after him. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his wisdom abrogated its reading from the Quran but retained its ruling for the Ummah. Meaning it is abrogated from the recitation but hukman it is still implemented and Allah knows best. Hence, when a married person commits adultery, a previously married individual, he should be stoned to death. He will be taken to the a specific location and the people will gather, pick up pebbles and pelt him until he dies. And this is from the wisdom of Allah and yani The Islamic law has not prescribed that such individuals should be killed with a sword but rather they should be pelted with these pebbles so that he is pained and he tastes the agony of punishment in return for what he tasted from the delight of the prohibited act. So here my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, whatever rules Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has laid down for us, then we implement it and we accept it. Sometimes we might not understand the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes we, what, we might not know. We might not realize the حكم, right? We might not realize this law and we might not realize the hikmah, the wisdom. But as time maybe goes on, then we might realize and Allah might bless us to understand the wisdoms That he has behind certain rulings and Allah knows best. (coughs) So for this reason the ulama, by Allah be pleased with him, they said. That it is not permissible to pelt with big stones. Because big stones may cause them to die quickly. Similarly the stones should not be small. Since it will cause them severe harm and prolong the agony. But rather it should be medium sized stones. So that he can feel the pain and then die. And this again, رحم, blessed is the ulama of this ummah. Blessed are they. Those that have passed away, Rahim ta'ala. Those that are still alive, hafidhahumallahu ta'ala. But they say that you don't use a big stone. What is the wisdom for this? That he might pass away quickly. But you don't use a very small pebble as well, because it's going to prolong it. So what do you do? You take a medium-sized pebble, and Allah knows best. If an individual, right, so if the individual, and this also, Afwan, this brings us back to a hadith. A very important hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi sallam Where he says that whenever you kill, then kill with kindness And whenever you slaughter, you slaughter with kindness And killing with a sword would be kinder towards the offender than pelting people So this is a question that someone might ask you So they might come to you and they say, but isn't a sword quicker? Why didn't you shoot someone? But in our times there's guns, why didn't you use some lethal injection? So the answer is that Sheikh he says that yes, the messenger, peace be upon him, actually said so. But being kind while killing has to be in accordance with the law of Allah. Thus the stone to death penalty is kindness since it concurs with the deen of Allah. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you, use the sword, then this would be kindness. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, use the lethal weapon, then this would be kindness. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you, use X, Y, and Z, then this would be kindness. But as for here, Allah specifically says that it needs to be stoned. So they will be stoned. In the same vein, if a criminal oppresses an individual and kills him intentionally, But he scolded him before killing him. The aggressor will be scolded as well. Firstly before implementing the death penalty against him. And Allah knows best. (coughs) Let's look at another example. If a criminal kills a man. And for example cuts off his two hands. Then his two feet. Then his tongue. And then his head. We will not just implement the death penalty against the, such an aggressor using a knife. No. But rather, we will cut off his two hands as well. Then his two feet. And then his tongue. And his head just as he did. And this will be considered kindness in killing because kindness in killing is in the matter or the manner of one of its conformance with the law of Allah Jalla. So someone cannot just come. He kills someone in an evil way. Causes his eyes out, cuts his tongue, etc. But now he's caught and he's and just need to use a sword on him. No. He needs to get the same that he treated his victim with, and Allah knows best. This hadith also contains evidence for the fact that the individual would confess to committing adultery in order for him or her to be purified, through the prescribed punishment and not by way of disgracing himself. So an individual who confesses to committing adultery to the ruler or the judge, so that the prescribed punishment could be implemented on him, should not be blamed or censored. But as for the person who informs the public, that he committed adultery, such an individual is rather humiliating himself. Such is not amongst those who will be forgiven because the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, The entirety of my ummah, the whole of my ummah, will be forgiven except the mujahirin. So they asked, companions, may Allah be pleased with them, Who are the mujahirin? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he answered And he said That they are those who commit sin And after Allah had covered them They wake up and they spread it So what's happening here? The Prophet peace be upon him is Teaching us an important principle A principle That many in our society today does not understand that many in our society today fails to implement, and this is showing off and speaking about your wrongdoings, about your sin. So, for example, someone at night he goes to a nightclub. So, what does he do the next day? He tweets, puts a post on Instagram, posts a video on Snapchat, makes a Facebook status, makes a WhatsApp status. I went to such and such a place. What a beautiful night I had. The music was great. when Billah. Etc., etc. This person is known as the Mujahirin. And he won't be forgiven by Allah if he does not make tawbah. So, we as an ummah should realize we should stop posting our wrongdoings. I'm going to the cinema, let's post it. Going to a haram event, let's post it. I don't have hijab on, let's post it. Sitting on the beach, not dressed properly, we post it. Prophet sallallahu more than 1400 years ago, he warned us against this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. So if someone asks, is it better for the individual who commits adultery to approach the judge and confess to it, and the penalty be implemented on him or her, or is it better for them to concede the response is that it entails some detailed explanation. The individual might have sincerely repented, deeply regretted, and resolved never to return to the sin. The best for such an individual is that he or her should not report themselves. So someone commits zina for example, but they make sincere Toba They regret it deeply. And they resolve never to go back to the sin. And this is also the rules for tawbah. This is also the rules that a tawbah will be accepted from Allah Azza So such a person, it is best for them not to go and report themselves. And inshallah, they will be forgiven. He should make the matter a secret between him and Allah Azza wa jal And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardons whoever sincerely turns to him in repentance. But as for the one who fears that his repentance may not be sincere, and also fears returning to the sin and committing it again, then it is better for him to go to the authority, to go to the qadi, to go to the judge, and to confess, and that the penalty be implemented on them, and Allah knows best. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, before we move on to the next two ahadith, with regards to the issue of stoning, with regards to this issue that we spoke about, obviously, for us living in a non Muslim country, there's no one you can go to. No one can stone you. Correct? This needs to be done by a judge. This needs to be done by a qadi The case need to be forward. So one cannot just pick up stones or someone committed Zina. This is point number one. Point number two. You need four upright witnesses that saw this act. Not just on a video. Not just a certain Thing that they saw, but they saw this act of zina, and all four of them saw it. And this is why you won't find many cases of zina, because where are you going to find four upright people actually watching two people committing zina, unless obviously the people come, the couple that they were busy with, and they repent themselves, and Allah knows best. Hadith number 23 and Hadith number 24. وعن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو ان ال... ابن ادم واديا من ذهب احب ان يكون له واديا ولن يملا فاه الا التراب ويتوب الله على من تاب متفق عليه حديث نمبر 24 وعن أبي ريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يضحك الله سبحانه وتعالى إلى رجلين يقتل أحدهما الآخر يدخلان الجنة يقاتل هذا في سبيل الله فيقتل ثم يتوب الله علي القاتل فيسلم فَيُسْتَشْهَدْ Ibn Abbas and Anas ibn Malik reported that the messenger of Allah peace be upon him said for so the son of Adam were to own a valley of gold he would desire to have two nothing can fill his mouth except the earth of the grave Allah turns with mercy to him who turns to him in repentance hadith number 24 Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhi reported that the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, Allah, the Most Exalted, smiles at two men. One of them killed the other and both of them will enter Jannah. The first is killed by the other while he is fighting in the cause of Allah. And thereafter Allah will turn in mercy to the second and guide him to the acceptance of Islam. And then he dies as a shaheed, a martyr fighting in the cause of allahu azzawajal and this hadith is narrated by imam al-bukhari and muslim so these two are hadith they explain the repentance tawbah and this evidence who gives us evidence shows us the fact that allah pardons whoever sincerely turns to him in repentance irrespective of how big his sin is This is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says to us in Surah Al Furqan, and those who invoke not any other God besides Allah, nor kill such life as Allah has forbidden, except for a just cause, nor commit illegal sexual intercourse, and whoever does this shall receive the punishment. The torment will be doubled to him on the day of Qiyamah. And he will abide therein in disgrace. Except for those who repent and believe in true monotheism. They believe in Allah. They worship Allah. They don't ascribe partners to Allah. And do righteous deeds for those Allah will change their sins into good deeds. And Allah is of forgiving the Most Merciful. The first hadith is from Ibn Abbas. And its meaning is that the son of Adam will never be satisfied with wealth. Even if he has a valley full of wealth, he will want more. He wants to seek two valleys, three valleys, four valleys. And nothing can fill his belly except the earth. And that will be when he dies and he's buried. When he would have abandoned the world and its contents. And that moment he will be content since they would see and realize that this wealth just eluded him. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us to seek our rizq in this dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when teaching us the du'a, He says, Rabbana atina fid dunya wal akhira. Allah give us all this dunya and the akhira. And nobody has a problem. With someone that he works hard and he earns a lot of money. Because this ummah is in need of assistance as well. Some people Allah is given more risk than other people. So those people they give sadaqah. They need to pay zakah. So that the poorer of the ummah can benefit as well. But never ever let this wealth enter your heart. Never ever let this wealth make you walk on this earth as someone that has kibber. Someone that is proud and warty. Never walk on this earth because I am a millionaire. I earn so much money. I have so many houses. I have beautiful cars. But also know, when you go down this route, you always want more. Speak to someone, and he says, you know, once I have a million rand, I'm going to stop working, or I'm going to do whatever. Once he reaches that million, you know what, after two million. And this carries on, and it carries on. So everyone needs to work, everyone needs to earn a living. But never let this money change you. Never let this money make you... Think that you are better than others. Never let the wilds just make you chase after this dunya and you forget to worship Allah Azza Return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Spend your money on your families, on your friends, but also spend in the way of Allah How many masajid were locked down? How many of the Imams of the Masajid were not paid? Spend your money. Give your money in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah knows best. So even at that, the Messenger of Allah encouraged seeking repentance. And this is because in most cases the individual seriously desires of wealth does not avoid seeking wealth. Through unlawful means. This is another point. Sometimes people, <coughs> are fun. sometimes people they seek wealth through unlawful ways. Just so that they can become richer. They're involved in riba. They're involved in deals which is not halal. And this is why it is important for anyone in business that, they need to study Kitab Buyu. They need to study the chapter of doing business and Allah knows best. And however, the cure for that is to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he said that Allah turns with mercy to him who turns to Allah in repentance. Hence, whosoever repents from his evils, even if these in equities are related to wealth, then surely Allah will forgive him. As for the second hadith, narrated by Abu Hurairah, may Allah be pleased with him, that Allah smiles at two men. Allah smiles at these two men because they were strong enmity, strong hatred, that existed between them, both while they were in this world, to such an extent, that one of them killed the other. But Allah changed this enmity in the heart of both of them. He removed the grudges, they nursed against one another, since the dwellers of the paradise will be cleansed from every form of mutual hatred and grudge. With regards to them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صدورهم مِنْ إِخْوَانًا على And we shall remove from their breasts any sense of hatred that they might have. So they will be like brothers facing each other on thrones. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazed at these two men. That they were sworn enemies and then Allah favoured the one to kill the other. And was a disbeliever to turn in repentance. And Allah pardoned him. It contained evidence. This hadith contains evidence that if the disbeliever asks for repentance from his disbelief, even if he had murdered a Muslim, Allah will grant him pardon since accepting Islam wipes out one's entire sins committed before it, and Allah knows best. And this brings us to the end of the chapter with regards to Tawbah. The third chapter. A very important chapter, especially in our lives today, especially what is happening around us. This is known as Bab or Sabr, the chapter on patience. And sabr in the dictionary, it means patient, it means restraint. However, we want to know what the sabr mean in the sharia. And sabr in the sharia, it means controlling oneself regarding three things. Number one upon the obedience to Allah having sabr upon the obedience to Allah secondly having sabr from the prohibitions of Allah and thirdly having sabr over Allah's preordainments that he finds or that we as human beings will find painful so these are the categories of patient mention, patience mentioned by the people of knowledge as for the first matter For the individual to be patient upon obedience to Allah Azzawajal because obedience is heavy on the soul and could be difficult upon the soul. So it may as well be hard on the limbs such as the individual could be feeble and weary, could be ill but he still needs to make Salah. Likewise it may involve some difficulties. With regards to the aspects of wealth. Like for example zakah and hajj. So acts of obedience may involve some form of stress as well. To the body and the soul. And therefore it requires sabr. So to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To make salah. Let's look at an example. Summer months, salah to fajr. In where we are in Cape Town, South Africa. It's extremely early. About 10 minutes before 4 a.m. So sometimes it becomes hard on the body to wake up. So this is obedience, sabr in obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take Salatul Asr. In the middle of the day. You might be at work. You might be striking a deal. But now it's time for salah. So it's hard. But you need to have sabr in the obedience of Allah. You go on hajj. In the summer months. Extremely hot. 55 degrees. On the day of Arafah. we witnessed this alhamdulillah. But you need to have sabr. You need to control yourself. In the obedience of Allah. Who subhanahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions and he says, Ya iwa ladina amanu. O you who believe, Isbiru wasabiru. O you who believe, endure and be more patient. Have endurance and have patience. The second matter, patience and sabr With regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's prohibitions. By the individual's avoidance of whatever Allah has forbidden him to do. And remember that the soul likes or gets encouraged by evil sins. And this is why someone needs to restrain their soul. For example, lying and cheating in dealings, unlawful consumption of wealth through riba, through usury, or other means, illicit sexual intercourse, drinking alcohol, involved in drugs, stealing and similar other sins. So sometimes a person, he finds a sin, and the sin becomes attached to him, and he enjoys the sin. So, for example, someone is involved in drugs, someone involved in alcohol, gambling, the sin becomes attached to them and they enjoy the sin. So, this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that you need to be to have sabr with regards to the prohibitions as well. You need to be patient. Oh, I committed a sin today, I need to make tawbah. I need to make sure that I don't return to this. This takes sober. This takes patience. And everyone gets tested in some way. Some people get angry. Some people lies. Some people cheat. But know that every single person has some form of wrong that they are doing. We have some form of sin that we need to make tawbah and ask Allah to forgive us. So the individual should hold himself back and not commend these sins. The certainty requires endurance and restraining the soul and personal desires. As for the third matter, patience over the qada and qadr, the preordainments of Allah he finds painful because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's preordainments may be suitable for the servant or painful for him. So he finds those that he finds suitable requires gratitude. And giving gratitude is from the acts of obedience. So being patient regarding that is from the first category of patience. As for those who find it painful, they bring some discomfort to the individual. So he may be tested on his body or his wealth and when he loses them. He may equally be tested regarding his family and his community. Allah mentions and he says, And most definitely we will test him. With something of, شيء of fear, والجُوع, and hunger. ولا نبل ونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الأموال. And a lack of or reduced wealth, some loss in the wealth. والأنفس and lives, الثمرات and fruits وبشر الصبرى. But glad tidings. So know, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah is definitely going to test us. People are going to pass away around us. Our beloved mothers, our beloved fathers. Parents will see their children be lost. Pass away. You'll be tested financially. Today might not Today might be a good day in the business. Tomorrow might be a bad day in the business. But turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And glad tidings to the one, and glad tidings to the one that has patience, that has sabah. So know that the individual should be patient regarding these things that Allah has prohibited to him, such as expressing distress with the tongue, the mind, ulams. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, with regards to a person going through trials and tribulations. There are four conditions. Number one, that he scorns. Number two, that he is patient. Number three, that he is pleased. And number four, that he is thankful. So these are four states that the individual comes in when he is befallen with a trial. As for the first condition. That he disdains whether in his heart or on his tongue or with his limbs. Disdain with the heart is that he nurses some anger and evil thoughts against Allah Azza wa Jal. And the refuge is with Allah and the like. He feels as if Allah has wronged him with a misfortune regarding disdain on the tongue. He could invoke ruin and destruction by saying, Woe upon me, I am ruined. He may also begin to curse time and insult Allah. Concerning the scorn with the limbs, could slap his cheeks, hit his head, pull his hair out, tear his clothes, etc. And this state of disdain, this condition of those who are impatient, and they they are denied the rewards of patience by ALLAHU wa JAL. They are not necessarily saved from misfortune, but rather they commit sins therewith. So the calamity becomes double for them. Calamity in their religion because of their anger, and calamity in their worldly affair, which brings them a lot of pain. As regards to the second condition, being patient over the trial by controlling oneself, He dislikes the trials. He does not like misfortunes. And does not love that it happens. Nevertheless, he restrains himself. He would not utter words of displease. That which displeases Allah with his tongue. Neither will he employ his limbs to perform any action that angers Allah. And he never nurses any grievances against Allah. He will be patient even though. He dislikes it. The third condition is pleasure. The individual is content with this misfortune. He shows complete pleasure with it as if he was not even afflicted. And we ask Allah to make us of those. The fourth one, gratitude. He gives thanks to Allah subhanahu wa taala over this. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, saw something he disliked, he would say, Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. That all praise is due to Allah in all conditions, so you would thank Allah so that Allah writes rewards for him on account of this trial, much more than the affliction himself. It was reported that an female worshipper was afflicted or a fing- was afflicted a finger for which so Afwan, her finger was afflicted with someone, and for which she thanked Allah and praised him. So they asked her, why are you thanking and praising Allah when your finger was hurt? She replied, the sweetness of its reward made me forget the bitterness of his patience. And Allah knows best and with all success is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the author, may Allah shower him with blessings, Imam an naboui rahimahullah wa ta'ala. He brings the verse that we looked at a bit earlier. Where he says, where Allah says, Ya you amanu, oh you will believe, isbi وَصَابِرُوا O you who believe, endure and be more patient. And we discussed this verse. So Allah commands us in accordance with the faith and nobility of our faith with these four orders. O you who believe. Right? And something I want to look at, the verse says O oh, you who believe, isbiru wa sabiru wa, wa O oh, you who believe, endure and be more patient than your enemies and guard your territory by stationing your army units permanently at the places from where the enemy could attack and fear Allah Azza wa jal, so that you may لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you may be successful. So patience, regarding disobedience, endurance upon obedience and guarding the fortress is tremendous good while having taqwa. And if you have all these things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you of those that are successful. So abstain patiently from Allah's prohibitions. Do not commit them, shun them and avoid them. It is well known that refraining patiently from disobedience only arises when the soul invites towards evil. As for the individual that sins or that individual that sin has not crossed his mind, it should not be said that he has patiently held back. But when your mind invites you to sin, you should be patient and hold back and not commit these sins. As for endurance, it is related to obedience since giving obedience involves two things. Number one, an act the individual takes responsibility to discharge. And number two, a burden upon the soul because engaging acts of obedience Like avoiding disobedience is heavy on the evil, urging souls. Therefore, patience regarding obedience is better than patience regarding holding back from sin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions and He says in this verse, Endure and be more patient than your enemy. As if someone is competing with you on patience. As a person strives to be more patient, to have sabr, than his enemy during the fight. Of jihad. <clears throat> As for guarding the territories, it contains tremendous good and continuity upon goodness. It is reported in the Hadith from the Messenger of Allah that the Prophet peace be upon him said, performing perfect wudu ablution in unfavorable conditions, making many steps whilst going to the masjid, walking to the masjid, and waiting for prayer after. The prayer before it—that is the real ribalt. That is the real ribalt. That is the real ribalt. And ribalt is guarding the borders of your country, of your Islamic state, that the enemies can't attack. And why did he say this is better than ribalt? Because it involves continu- continuations upon goodness, continuity upon goodness and tremendous good. As for taqwa it encompasses all of these things this is because allah subhanahu this is because afwan that taqwa is to take a means of protection from the punishment of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by implementing the orders and abstaining from the prohibitions for this reason this connection to the previously mentioned matters is from the aspects of connecting the general to the specific and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is free from all imperfections and the most exalted. He explained that upholding these four things is a means to attaining success. And know, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that success is not just having worldly gains, not a beautiful house, a beautiful car. But true success is that when you are saved, from the fire of Jahannam. And you are entered into Jannah. This is true success. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. So next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will carry on with the second verse that Imam an brings. And with regards to some of the ahadith, with regards to patience. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, I think this chapter of sabr is extremely important, especially in the times that we are living, especially in the times and situations that we are going through. Many of us have gotten COVID, many of us have lost family members, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant the sick a complete shifa, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant those that have passed away channatul firdos and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards them the reward of a shaheed. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdika shahadu ala ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.